freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome back to the second hour of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We're sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And today our theme has been, Whose Rights Are Right?, And I just think, you know, thinking back to the time, you know, Independence Day is coming up. Thinking back to that time in history, uh, as I said at the top of the hour, the British thought, well, we have rights to everything that we've been supporting over here on this land called America, right? It wasn't the United States back then. It was America, right? And the colonists felt like, no, we should have the right to be independent because we're, we're self-sustaining over here. We don't need to be shipping off all of our, our best uh, fruits to the people in Europe. And so whose rights were right then and whose rights are right now? The people that want to protect the Second Amendment or the people who are literally sitting on the floor of the Senate building trying to not only infringe on your Second Amendment rights, but also on your due process. So whose rights are right? It's, it's really something to, to think about and, and dig down into. And our, our next guest coming up, Miss Laura Carno, she authored a book that actually kind of challenges both sides of the political aisle. Uh, it doesn't matter which side you sit on because her book is called Government Ruins Nearly Everything. Miss Laura, are you with us? I am. How are you? Oh, I'm wonderful. And I'm so excited to have you on again. And the last time I had you on, your book hadn't quite been published yet. Right. And so it's been out since March. So we've been out a few months. And uh, things are kind of going gangbusters. I'm, I'm surprised at how well it's doing. So, um, you know, for just my first book on a humble little topic about um, reclaiming social issues from uh, uncivil servants, which is the, the subtitle of the book, it's doing really well and I'm getting a lot of coverage for it. So I'm, I'm very grateful. Well, congratulations on the book, Laura, but the title confuses me. It's um, nearly everything. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it's one of one of the most common questions I get. You know, there are a handful of of public servants, a, a few that I know here in my home state of Colorado, who actually understand that they serve us. Um, they go to in in my state. They go to the Capitol in Denver um, to protect my rights and to reclaim the rights that the state has taken from me. Um, there are a handful who understand that, and so I wanted to leave a little space for them with that word nearly, and government ruins nearly everything. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. There are some politicians in Arizona that are really working hard for us. So you're right. Nearly is okay. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, it's about, um, un- about them understanding correctly the relationship between citizens and their government. The, the government belongs to us. 
Um, we are not subjects of the government. Um, this isn't that kind of a country, and it's important for us to always remind public servants um, who they work for and, and whose rights they are defending. Mm. That's so true. Um, one of the things that you're very well known for is a video spot that you did where you say, don't you dare tell me how to defend myself, right? And that was directed at a specific politician. But I think that could be right now, it could cast a wider net. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that politician is former Senator, former state Senator John Morse here in Colorado. He was the Senate uh, president. And the reason he is the former Senate president is that we recalled him in 2013. Uh, he had run um, and was elected as a moderate. He, he actually ran some pro-gun bills. He ran a reciprocity bill, for example. And um, as soon as 2013 came around and Michael Bloomberg, the former mayor of New York, came in and said, here is legislation I suggest that you run, um, John Morse became a very anti-gun politician. Um, and if that wasn't enough, he, as the Senate president, he tried to stifle um, public commentary and people had enough of it and they, they recalled him along with another senator. The ad that you're talking about, the don't you dare ad, I like to call it, um, I, it and I live in a small media market here and so the commercials were me to camera saying that. Senator Morris, don't you dare tell me how to defend myself. And I, a couple things I like about that, it's, it's good for citizens to tell politicians don't you dare, whether it's about our rights to self-defense, um, whether it's about, you know, don't you dare tell me what kind of light bulbs I should have in my house or what have you. It's not their job to tell us how to, uh, to run our lives. But the other interesting part about that don't you dare campaign, and I didn't think about it when I was doing it, is we kind of made, uh, made those recalls a woman's issue. Um, how dare that guy tell that woman how mm -hmm. she should defend herself? And it, it, it really caught on. And, um, I like hearing the that language used even nationally. Yes, I I agree with you a hundred percent, and and I I love that uh, you know you because you use a phrase you say politicians are not kings, and I think that the public even has it wrong. So no wonder they think that the people that sit in the lofty city in the clouds called Washington D.C. so often think of themselves as so far above us. Sure, and, and a mutual friend of ours, Cam Edwards, who is the host of NRA News, Cam and Company, I know he's been on your show. He's awesome. Um, he, he, has, he is awesome, uh, and I actually interviewed him in my, in my book on the gun chapter. He um, has a phrase that he uses on his show. Um, it's the betters versus the bumpkins, <laughs> and it refers to those people who think that if not for them, if not for these elite well-educated, um, very um, uh, virtuous people, the rest of us bumpkins wouldn't know how to live our lives. Thank God for them. And, and <laughs> these, these stories happen all the time where you've got um, uh, government officials, um, politicians telling the rest of us how to live. And, you know, you can, you can look at schools, you can look at, um, at gun violence, the, the government thinks they know how to solve gun violence. They've never solved gun violence, but private people can. And so it's, it's that sort of um, C 
feel that led me to, um, it was actually a line in a commercial, politicians are not kings. They don't have the right to do these things to us and tell us how to live our lives. They're not better than us. Well, I think we abdicate way too much power to them and way too much responsibility because we are busy with our lives. I mean, to a certain degree, it's understandable. We're busy going about the, the business of our lives and we're entrusting them to do certain things for us. But I think in delegating too much to them, we turn around in a couple of years and go, what, wait, what now? Right? Yeah, exactly. And, and we lose our rights very slowly. Um, one of the, my hopes for the, the book is that people learn how to give their politicians permission to stop fixing things. <laughs> and when we ask politicians to, to fix things, you're right, abdication is the, the precise word. We abdicate to um, these politicians. Uh, we, we give them control over our lives, um, asking for a little security, a little safety, um, a little more comfort. Maybe we don't like how our neighbor uses his freedom, and we'd like our politicians to take care of that. And you turn around and you go, oh, my gosh, hang on, what just happened? Mm-hmm. And it's it's like uh, boiling the frog slowly. Um, and so it's up to those of us who are paying attention, your listeners, um, to say, hang on, uh, go no further than you're going, take some steps back, we're in charge here. So true. Um, and then when, like earlier in the show, Dan, he, he misphrased something. You know, he said that uh, Obama had had brought some th- the gun bills to Congress. And, you know, it's it's a natural, easy thing to say. But it was like, OK, so it was really on the Senate floor. But uh, it seemed to me like the senators were serving what Obama has been saying for the past several years and brought up again in January and every time there's a big shooting. And it does feel like the senators end up serving him, the president, instead of serving their constituents. Yeah, you're exactly right. Serving the president and serving Michael Bloomberg. Mm. Um, Michael Bloomberg has um, vast sums of money. He's a I think he's worth $32 billion, billion with a B. And he's put a lot of money into, um, into helping or defeating candidates. He, in, in the recall that we were talking about a minute ago, Michael Bloomberg wrote a personal check for $350,000 mm. to try and stop the recall. And, um, you know, we beat him. We, uh, our votes can't be bought, and, um, and we beat him. He did the same thing in Milwaukee County, Wisconsin, when Sheriff David Clark uh, said to citizens, uh, sheriffs can't always be there. Hmm. You need to buy a firearm, get trained, and be your own self-defense while we get there. And Michael Bloomberg took exception to that. He said this one's personal, and he tried to um, support Clark's opponent and, um, and failed. Um, David Clark is still the sheriff there. But um, pe- people, politicians get beholden to other other people and it's important for constituents to say you report to me mm-hmm. you need to represent me absolutely well you're going to stick around through the commercial right yep absolutely fantastic all right well listeners you stick around too we have much more coming up with miss laura carno the author of government ruins nearly everything right after this
When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt, let potofgoldestate.com help you get the extra cash you need. Potofgoldestate.com will purchase your items outright, or you can consign them to their twice-a-month online auction. Pot of Gold's nationwide online auction is a great place to get top dollar for your collectibles. They specialize in everything from antiques, coins, high-end collectibles, to cars, boats, guns, and more. Get started today at potofgoldestate.com or visit them off I-10 and Dysart Road in Historic Avondale for some live auction action. For more information, visit potofgoldestate.com. That's potofgoldestate.com. Hey ladies, Cheryl Todd here from azfirearms.com. Many of us ladies are taking the important step of becoming responsibly armed, but it can be an intimidating process. And with all the politics swirling, a first-time gun buyer, whether a guy or a lady, might feel uncertain about where to begin and who to trust. At azfirearms.com, we are a small, friendly, family-owned shop that specializes in first-time gun buyers. We are staffed with knowledgeable people who are ready to help answer all of your questions. My husband Dan and I pride ourselves on having a safe, no-pressure environment. Once you have decided on a purchase, azfirearms.com partners with professional firearms instructors who will train you to become a responsible, safe, prepared, and proficient gun owner. So ladies and gents, when you are looking for personalized service and a huge selection, come to azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road or visit us on the web at azfirearms.com. They come to America. They come to America. They come to America. They come Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop and our bump music today is a little bit on the patriotic side because we are coming up on independence day a time when we hopefully spend a few moments reflecting on how we ended up with this great and grand experiment that we call the united states of america what we can do in our lifetimes to preserve what our forefathers had in mind and I don't even know, Miss Laura Carno, are you still with us? I am. I don't even know if we are still in the preserving mode. Are we still in the preserving mode of what our forefathers had in mind, or are we in the reclaiming mode? Yeah, reclaiming is, is where I would put us. I think our, our founders would be horrified at not just, not just the big things that are, are wrong with our country, but some of the little things. Um, I was mentioning to a group I was speaking with last night in a in a county that is very restrictive on on building restrictions, and you have to have this sort of a toilet, not that sort of a toilet, because of water conservation. And I said our founders would be horrified if they knew that government officials are presiding over how your plumbing works inside <laughs> your house. Our founders would be horrified. I think um, so. It's would. not just the big things; it's all of the all of the little ways that 
that government um, butts its nose into our business, and and it it almost makes us um, feel like we're saying, "Mother, may I?" Mm. to the government. They're not so our parents. Um, that we're we're adults. Well, you are the author of the book, Government Ruins Nearly Everything, with the subtitle, Reclaiming Social Issues from Uncivil Servants. And and I do think that uh, you have the mindset that, you know, the government was designed to do these things and not these things. And And just like you're talking about plumbing inside of our house, how did we get so far off the mark? And what on earth can we do about it? Do you have any ideas? And, and the way that I talk about it in the book, and I, um, as you mentioned, the subtitle is Reclaiming Social Issues from Uncivil Servants. And I talk about four issues, uh, schools, guns, abortion, and marriage. And the thesis is if you care about any of these four issues, and a lot of people do on both sides of the aisle, if you care about these issues, why would you ever turn them over to the government to fix? They are not set up to fix things. Amen. They're set up to stretch out problems, spend lots of money. The problem gets worse. <laughs> we need more money. That's what they're set up to do. Uh, so, so sad. It is sad, and, and everybody gets it. Um, everybody sees this in some form. So, so that's what I'm trying to get across is sort of that message of hope this is why the government can't fix it. This is why, or this is how, in each of these four categories, government makes it work, or make, makes it worse, pardon me. And then in each of those four areas, I provide hopeful stories of people who are doing things today as we speak to improve all four of those areas. So if you, if you wake up with one of those on your heart to fix, don't go to the government. It's not going to get better. Maybe you can donate to one of these organizations or volunteer for one of these organizations or be inspired enough to maybe start your own organization. Laura, you you helped to recall a couple people in Colorado. Is that correct? That's correct. It was Senator John Morse and mm-hmm. Senator Angela Harone okay, in and, southern Colorado. You know, I, I pictured Colorado as a cowboy, everybody has a gun type thing, and I understand a lot of people are moving from other states there now, and it's kind of influencing what the decisions that are being made. But by recalling these two, um, the major issue was their Second Amendment rights. Was that correct? That's correct. Right. And so how is it now? Are the people that are elected now that were replaced, are they being strong with the Second Amendment protection? Are they remembering what happened to those (laughs) who came before? It's very very interesting. So during the recalls of those two folks, um, there was at the same time an election to replace them. And both of those people were replaced with, um, with good, strong, pro-gun Republicans. Um, I, say, I say the political party on purpose because we actually do have pro-gun Democrats here in Colorado. Um, after that, that initial term was up, um, because those replacements just finished out that, um, the rest of that term, um, one was replaced with a very, very liberal um, Democrat, and the other one was replaced with a pro-gun Democrat. So, one, you know, one for two, we'll, we'll take batting 500. Um, but what's interesting is what has happened in the whole state. Uh, nobody is running on their 2013 gun control votes. Mm. Nobody's running on a 
uh, a gun control agenda. Mm-hmm. They're not talking about it. They're, the bills that went through, our legislative session is up for the year. It's um, already completed. But the, the only gun bills that went through this year or attempted to go through were pro-gun bills to try and reclaim what we lost in 2013. The only exception, there was a, I call it the ivory bill because it was it intended to ban um, ivory and pelts and different things like that. But the ivory bill um, was the only, you know, kind of an anti-hunter bill, but that got killed in our pro-gun Senate. So nobody's nobody is looking to infringe on our rights any further because they saw what happened. So it has had long-lasting effects. Outside of Colorado, um, I actually think the effects are more profound outside of Colorado. Um, when I saw the two of you at the NRA annual meeting in Louisville, I heard from people from many, many, many states. Great job on those recalls back in 2013. Other states remember this even more so in some cases than Coloradans. Nice. But why doesn't that seem to translate to the people that sit in the lofty city in the clouds, Washington, D.C.? It seems like they wouldn't want to touch the Second Amendment issue with a 10-foot pole. Sure, and, and there are some um, political reasons to offer these gun control bills um, to get get certain people on record for their reelection and that sort of thing. Um, but you'll notice that uh, they don't have the votes to get anything through. The the last thing that they tried to get through, which was the um, badly named, I think, um, uh, no fly, no buy. Um, badly named because there's no due process to get on the you know, fly list. Right. Um, they, they don't have the votes. And, you know, uh, America is a center-right country. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some big blue dots throughout the country, but it's a fairly red country. Mm-hmm. And as, as gun rights becomes a less partisan issue, as people are very concerned about the safety of their families, um, you know, there's lots of people calling their congressmen and and senators and saying, don't you dare uh, take away my rights. And, you know, people want to get reelected, so they're going to listen to the voters. Well, and, they need um, to listen to the voters. And absolutely. They... Well, we've been hearing Obama forever saying, this is what the people want, this is what the people want, and they don't. And they keep rejecting his bills, and then he wonders what's going on. I mean, our our congressmen are voting for what what we asked them to vote for, and then Obama says, you guys aren't cooperating. You're not voting these bills that the American people want. They don't want it. And then for Hillary, could you imagine what it'd be like if the Democrats also enjoyed our Second Amendment right? It would be weird. Well, we just interviewed somebody that vice president of the Liberal Gun Club, and I didn't even know such a thing existed. So there clearly are people that that ascribe to the Democratic Party that do value their Second Amendment rights. And you just said you had a, was it a senator in your state? or that Right, a state senator. Who's, and we have actually have several um, state senators who are pro-gun Democrats here. Pro-gun Democrat. I mean, that's... Yeah, it's a thing here. It's a thing here. I love and how you say great. that. Yeah. But a lot of people think that all Democrats hate guns. And I, I know that's not true. And I'm glad that it's not true. Well, yeah, we, and it's... It's becoming less and less partisan as time goes on, as we have a San Bernardino, mm. as we have those sorts of, of um, situations where people think, 
my gosh, I wouldn't even be safe in a government building. That's right. scary. How do I protect myself? Right. Mm. It does become very personal, very intimately tied to a person's life. And then to just try to take these broad sweeping uh, measures, that's, I guess, how bureaucrats think and how bureaucratic organizations work. But it's it doesn't work in individual people's lives. Well, we're, we're coming up near the end of our segment. But again, we're talking with Laura Carno. And the name of her book is Government Ruins Nearly Everything. And one of the things I really love about your book, Laura, is that you challenge our thinking. So you, you speak to someone like me. I'm, I'm almost a single-issue voter, right? I want to protect the Second Amendment. I want to protect the, the Constitution. And so if somebody's uh, weak on the Second Amendment, well, that's going to color how I feel about them, right? But then you challenge me because you say, all right, look, if you want the government out of your life and you want to be able to protect yourself as an individual, then you also have to be intellectually honest and think about when you're voting for marriage rights, when you're voting for uh, pro, uh, pro-life pro issues. And I think that that is just a, a wonderful thing to, to challenge people on on how they're thinking about affecting others' lives when we want our own left alone. Yeah, thanks for mentioning that. It's, um, I say in the, in the book that freedom is messy business. Mm-hmm. We might not always like what our neighbor does with his freedom, but our neighbor probably doesn't like what we do with our freedom either, and that's what freedom is about. It's not freedom for my neighbor to live as I wish he would live. It's freedom for him to live as he wishes to live. And um, we need to adopt a little bit more of a shoulder-shrugging attitude on how other people are using their freedom, provided they're not um, impacting other people's liberty. Um, but it is a, I, I'm not hearing anybody talking about it quite this way, so I think that's probably why the book is really striking a chord. I love it. I really do. I want to encourage everyone to go out, buy it, get online, buy it, and you tell us how do we go online and buy it, and how do we follow uh, what else you've got going on, Miss Laura? Sure. So if you uh, go to my website, lauracarno.com, C-A-R-N-O, lauracarno.com, you can connect with me um, through there everywhere. I'm very active on Facebook and Twitter. There's also a gigantic picture of my book. <laughs> if you click on it, it'll take you right to the link on Amazon. Uh, so it's available on Amazon.com. And um, you can also sign up for my newsletter and find out more about what I'm doing as I'm um, you know, running around the country doing different things. And um, would love to connect with your listeners through there. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being our guest. And uh, I definitely am following what you do and what you say. And I'm probably going to read your book for a second time. Oh, excellent. I appreciate all you uh, that both of you do for the Second Amendment to your shows. You have a great show. It has a great reach. Well, thanks Thank so you. much. All right. Bye, Miss Laura. Bye-bye. Well, stick around because we still have a lot of show coming up, including a talk with a gentleman who is behind an effort to create Shot Heard Round the World Day, Mr. Scott Levin. Stick around. Hey.
Hey everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the Westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy, and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty Gold Auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at pottygoldestate.com. The Second Amendment Foundation is the organization that protects our right to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Now they need our help. Go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation today. Dedicated to promoting a better understanding of our constitutional heritage to privately own and possess firearms. Support those who support our Second Amendment rights today. That's saf.org. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio. Cheryl, get off the table. I know. <laughs> Can I help it? That music makes me have to dance. James Brown, are you kidding me? Oh my gosh, Rocky. I, I got to watch Rocky again after hearing that. Well, of course, we've, we've switched our bump. We call that bump music in between segments. We've switched it up a little bit because it's almost Independence Day. Uh, and you are listening to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, educate, and inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. And we have been talking today to a diverse group of people, each one involved in preserving and protecting our constitutional rights. And we've been encouraged to see that we really do all have more in common than we often realize. Our topic today is whose rights are right. And it takes us right back to the time when we were struggling to become a nation and we were struggling with another nation who thought they had rights over this this group of colonists, right? Is it Was it their right or did we have a right, our colonists have a right to be independent? So whose rights are right? We're still struggling with that today. And our next guest is the organizer of something called Shot Heard Round the World Day. Scott Lavin. I said his name right. Could we have a standing ovation? <laughs> well, welcome to the show. Talk to us a little bit about what is this shot heard round the world day? Well, thanks so much for having me. Um, you know, number one, it is a lighthearted recreational shooting activity. Um, that's, that's the biggest thing we want to focus on. We focus on uh, uh, responsible firearm ownership and uh, learning the 
almost countless forms of recreational shooting activities. So uh, we, we leverage April 19th, which is the anniversary of the first shot of the American Revolution, which, I don't know, you might be able to argue led to the 4th of July celebration. And um, really want to just get people out to the ranges, uh, have them meet uh, mentor groups to teach them next steps. And, you know, maybe you've been shooting pistols all your life and you're, you're, you're kind of tired of it. You want to try something new. Maybe you meet a shotgun clay busting uh, uh, organization um, and then also introduce you of course to the suppliers that can provide you with the right products at the right price and I think you know a little bit about that a little bit so um, that that's really kind of what we're doing we're giving people an excuse on April 19th to go to a, a public range and recreate with others um, and I think a lot of people kind of miss the fact that the shooting sports community is a very social community a lot of us get wrapped up in our daily schedules and we go to the range by ourselves. If you get involved in organizations and clubs, it's a very social network. So, Scott, this sounds like a perfect opportunity for um, somebody that's never fired a gun to come to it, right? You know, it, we absolutely want to invite people uh, and give them that destination. Or maybe it's for somebody who's purchased a gun that's maybe been sitting under their bed since they purchased mm, it and they haven't quite made thing. that first step. Mm -hmm. So it's an opportunity to maybe uh, meet with somebody who's a little more, uh, 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 I should say, uh, uh, experienced mm -hmm. and give them some mentorship in, in, a, in, a, in a safe community. You know, we, you and I both were just in uh, Pittsburgh, That's right? Correct. Pennsylvania. We went to the, the NSSF, the National Shooting Sports Foundation Summit. And I remember one of the speakers they had was pointing out um, that if you're brand new to the shooting sports and you're researching it, well, who, who do I identify with? You know, are there people in the shooting sports that that look like me, that, you know, that I feel like I would fit in with, right? And one of the things they mentioned is how often pictures of people who are on a firing range, they're all by themselves. And that, like, I think they were specifically talking about the Hispanic culture. Am I right? Do you remember that, Speaker? There was a little bit about that, yes. Uh, and, and that they look at that and they say, well, where's all of his friends? Because they're very community-oriented. And really, the truth of it is, as you said, it is a very social uh, thing to go to to join a shooting club and go to the shooting range. It it's so fun to hang out with with your shooting buddies and you know try each other's equipment and and that sort of thing. It, it absolutely is. Uh, the public range I go to most often has a 150 user groups working off of it. So wow. you, I mean, imagine the community that is there. There's 150 different flavors of recreational shooting with people who share the interests, can share their experience with you, and can you, you can just look to them and say, hey, am I doing this right? Because yes. it, it is. If you're new and, and, and you know, not, you know, it, just, just thinking about purchasing a firearm if you've never done that or, or firing a firearm if you don't have the experience, there can be some anxiety, and, and it's justifiably so. Um, to, you know, add on to that all the political stuff you see that, that, mm. that you know, makes things so loud and so noisy. Right. Um, it can be a little daunting, and then you go to a gun, a firearm store, and, and you, you know, you're afraid of looking foolish. We've all been there. Mm -hmm. or, or you're at the range, and you're shooting your, your 38 or your 357, and somebody shoots a, a 300 caliber rifle next to you, and you jump. <laughs> There's nothing to be embarrassed about. We've no. all done that. Every day is somebody's first day. It is. Right? I remember going to Black Canyon shooting range, is what's called the first time I ever went there. Mm -hmm. And there was, uh, you know, the whole line of people shooting. And I'd hear somebody shoot something. I go, oh, I want to shoot that. So I go talk to them. And the next thing I know, I'm shooting that. And then I go down a lane further, and there's something else. And it's like a candy store. There's so much fun. But the key about it is that it's safe, that's organized and, and, 
protected, you know, watched. They yeah. take care of you. When you're safe, it's fun. Yeah. yeah. And if you go to our, we've got a, a website up now, shotheardroundtheworldday.com. There's also a Facebook page under the same name. And we're putting up a lot of video clips, and we're trying to keep them very light and, and very introductory in talking about these things that we've all gone through and these, these anxieties and how it's really no big deal, nothing to be embarrassed about. So um, we're putting up a lot of clips, and we, we, we hope to do a lot more with our partners on different clubs, different experiences, different ranges. Uh, if you've not, and, and you know, a lot of the thing is, is that some people have been doing one thing their whole life and they're kind of getting you know, tired of doing that. We give them you know, an opportunity to re-engage on a different activity. Well, you touched on a couple of things that I wanna kind of lean back on is that um, in one way, this is such an amazing time in history for people to join in on something like Shot Heard Around the World Day because we have so many brand new uh, firearms owners. You know, over the past eight years, not to get political, but over the past eight years, there's been a lot of people that have showed up at our door every time, um, you know, the president or the vice president gives a speech about guns. It scares people that, you know, maybe we aren't really safe and, and maybe they're going to take away our gun rights. And so we've got a bunch of people that are new to the sports. And so how great to be able to interact with people that are at a similar uh, time and, and level of, of shooting proficiency. But the other thing is that a lot of those people it's kind of the, we call it the Christmas puppy syndrome. They run out, they buy the gun, and stick it under the bed, like you said. And I don't know what to do with the thing, right? And so something like Shot Heard Around the World Day, it gives them that reason to connect and, and incorporate this tool more into their life, which will eventually and uh, ultimately make everyone more safe. Well, you know, I, I think it's that, you know, life is a busy business. So, you, you, you know, you buy things with intentions and, and it's just like going to the gym or, you know, meaning to uh, go to the library more often. Things get in the way. You've got, you, like you said earlier, you've got the laundry going, you've got two jobs to do and so forth. Um, I, I think that this gives people an excuse and, and, and a, a, a pin in the map to, to aim for on April 19th. So, Scott, this is just in Arizona or is it everywhere? No, we, we started, uh, so this April 19th was the first shot heard around the world. We had we had a handful of uh, ranges and a handful of states. It did technically start at Ben Avery Shooting Facility in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, but right now we're up to about seven states and we've really only been working on it for a couple months. So this is, uh, you guys are helping us with the launch of our media campaign for the 2017 nice. you heard shot it here heard first. around the world day. Well, I, I envision this, okay? So you've got several ranges. We've got seven that we know of, seven states. And there are several ranges in each one of those states. Could you imagine the impact if everybody everybody brought their neighbor, mm. just one neighbor that's never fired a gun before, the impact that would do in the industry? I, I think it would be amazing. But but imagine if ranges in 50 states, and we've actually had some conversations with people outside of the continental United States, and all are welcome, believe me. But 50 states worth of, of ranges with people recreating. Imagine. Uh, the stories that can be told across ranges in 50 states in the media of the positive economic impacts and social opportunities of, of safe, legal, uh, ethical shooting sports. Uh, phenomenal. Our first guest today was Frank Miniter, and he's a journalist. He's, he's a writer, and he says he always makes a point in, in to invite brand new people and, and hopefully people that are leaning maybe a little against gun rights out to a range. So what a perfect opportunity. They're going to be learning history, right? It's not just about the gun now, right? It's about a historical event. Yeah, our website, uh, it's 
you know, it's work in progress. Like I say, we're just getting started, but uh, we have a couple historians who have volunteered to, to help us put uh, some context on the historical reference of the first shot of the American Revolution. And we want to uh, hear from the public and challenge people on, on their knowledge of American history. Uh, the patriotism, I, I'm, you know, I'm a veteran. That's a, that's a huge part for me as well. Um, but the biggest thing is, is you know, I, I found that, you know, I do a lot of volunteer work and so forth. And the biggest thing is people just like to be invited. And if you just invite somebody, no matter what the activity, usually that that's a great start to, to, to building a relationship with somebody. I love that. And even if they say no the first time, right? Ask them again the next time. And you know, our platform, we're not going to advertise April 19th for 364 days a year. People are going to get real tired of us. <laughs> so our platform, uh, the website is, is broken down by mentor groups, suppliers, uh, and uh, ranges by state. And uh, the, the like I said, that and the YouTube, uh, the Facebook and the YouTube channel have videos on just these little snippets. We're going to do a series on, you know, what is that that firearm counter etiquette when you go into the store mm, and, the, and the salesperson nice. hands you that first firearm. My God, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. You know, and we, you know, we've all been there. And, you know, and the other thing, I, I, one of my uh, our most popular clips is, you know, you don't need to be an expert. I've been a, a firearm owner for 30 years. I was an infantry officer. I've sold firearms. I'm not an expert. I know what I know. I know what I like. This is your journey. You mm. need to be okay with what's being, you know, discussed with you and, and what's being placed into your hands. And and that's part of the thing. I want I want to empower the novice to just enjoy the experience and and make it right for them. I love that. Okay. And so if somebody has a range out there anywhere across the United States, they can go to the website and you've got, you know, how to put on the shot heard around the world day a kit basically and then give us the website one more time and we've got to run so the website is www.shotheardroundtheworldday.com all one word sorry about that (laughs) that's okay thank you so much for coming on and we'll talk more about it as we get closer to april but uh, we appreciate you you being with us here today scott laven did i do it right pretty close oh dang it why can't i get that name right right? (laughs) (laughs) scott lavin i knew that shot heard around the world day.com yes all right check it out and stick around because coming up we have our responsibly armed citizen report and dan's tip of the week which might be how to say scott's name right but anyway stick around bye Hey ladies, Cheryl Todd here from azfirearms.com. Many of us ladies are taking the important step of becoming responsibly armed, but it can be an intimidating process. And with all the politics swirling, a first-time gun buyer, whether a guy or a lady, might feel uncertain about where to begin and who to trust. At azfirearms.com, we are a small, friendly, family-owned shop that specializes in first-time gun buyers. We are staffed with knowledgeable people who are ready to help answer all of your questions. My husband Dan and I pride ourselves on having a safe, no-pressure environment. Once you have decided on a purchase, azfirearms.com partners with professional firearms instructors who will train you to become a responsible, safe, prepared, and proficient gun owner. So ladies and gents, when you are looking for personalized service and a huge selection, come to azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road or visit us on the web at azfirearms.com. Come listen to the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. 
Hear about armed civilians protecting people they love. Were they lucky or were they prepared? Come listen and learn at selfdefensegunstories.com. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty Gold Auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at potygoldestate.com. Auctions take place the first and third Tuesday of every month and are full of a great mix of antiques, collectibles, jewelry, guns, and coins. Visit our beautiful air-conditioned showroom off the I-10 at Dysart Road at 215 East Western Avenue in historic downtown Avondale. You will find a friendly and knowledgeable staff, comfortable chairs, and we even serve free birthday cake at every auction. Or bid from the comfort of your home at potofgoldestate.com. Don't miss out. Everything is going, going, gone at potofgoldestate.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we educate, we engage, and we inform. We're sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And of course, today we're, we're leading up to Independence Day. And that Ray Charles song, I'm telling you, I, I every time I hear it, I feel like I'm just going to get a tall glass of iced tea. I'm going to go sit on the porch, wave at a neighbor. Right. It just it has that that feel to it. And I, I know that place still exists somewhere in America. Don't you think, Dan? I think so. I think it's a big bear. Ooh, yeah, that's where we like to spend our Fourth of July. But now everybody else is going to want to go spend their Fourth of July. Oh, no, don't there. go there. No, Big Bear. <laughs> it's terrible. The fireworks are. No, it's awesome. Big Bear, California. Yeah. Oh, it's perfect. The weather's gorgeous. The fireworks are right outside the hotel window. It's a really great uh, place to just spend some family time. Um, and actually, it seems to be a little patch of California that uh, there's people that don't want to throw eggs at our pickup truck that is completely emblazoned with an AR-15 on the side and the American flag. Yeah, my daughter gets a little nervous when I take my truck to California because it's covered with a a wrap of guns. And one place she's okay with is when we go to Big Bear. I can actually talk to strangers in Big Bear. That's the only (laughs) place I know of in California that I can talk because most of the people are gun lovers there, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a great atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I've really enjoyed the show today. Uh, of course, our theme is whose rights are right, and I, I keep going, hearkening back to um, a time when America was trying to break away, right? And so there was you know, the British government. They felt that they had rights over our, our colonies. And then our colonists felt like, well, no, they had the right to have independence. Wait, didn't they just dump us here? Um, well, <laughs> with a purpose, right? Yeah, I guess. So, um, so today I wanted to do something a little bit different with our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report. You know, uh, first of all, we'll play our little Superman. Fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. 
that's uh, Blade, our our uh, studio producer. He keeps me on track. I almost forgot about Superman. Can't forget about Superman fighting for truth, justice, and the American way. And so today, with our responsibility, our citizen report, I, I it's actually our our PR marketing lady. Go figure, Kim Bishop. She says, "Why don't you do the ultimate story of a responsibly armed citizen protecting?" themselves protecting their home and I was like well what that sounds great what is the ultimate story and she said when we had armed citizens in every home and we were protecting the land that we had against this oppressive government the British government and I thought oh my gosh I love that and so you know, uh, it turns out it's pretty hard to find a news clip because we always play a news clip during this time, right? Uh, it's a little hard to find one of those from the 1700s. So <laughs> so what I did was I found one of those movies that we would have watched back in, in school, like in the 1970s or 1980s. So it's, you know, it's got this a little bit of a grainy sound, but I kind of like that. You know, I think you'll enjoy the nostalgia of their dramatic voices and the sound effects on the, the clip I found today. But We are just a couple of days away from Independence Day when we, the citizens of the United States of America, before we were the United States of America, I mean, I think people even forget that. You know, we were just America before we were states. And then once we were states, then we united. So now we, the citizens of the United States of America, we celebrate a risky proposition undertaken by some brave men and women to enact this great and grand experiment in freedom. Our forefathers came to a time and a place when they realized that action was required. Today we're going to talk about a time when danger came in the form of an oppressive government treating its citizens as subservient and as subjects. It was a time when people came together and said no more. And anytime you can't back up your no more with an or else, it's really more of just a suggestion rather than a command. How did these people of the colony, colonies command no more? How did they have the power to stand up to an army of soldiers by each and every household being filled with responsibly armed citizens? A war has begun. And America is without an army. Here are 13 colonial settlements, more or less united by the common need for survival. For years, they had found it necessary to require every able-bodied man to own a serviceable musket and to spend some time training in the local militia. This provided the bare minimum of protection, be it from bandits or wild animals. But now, the newly formed Minute Companies have appeared, marking a new step toward preparedness. King George III declares the colonies to be in a state of rebellion. Full-scale war is ordered to bring the Americans into subjection. But freedom-minded leaders speak out. Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at a price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. 
So these responsibly armed citizens needed to train for preparedness, as the video states, and as a militia in order to be able to fight as a focused force. Nowadays, in peacetime, we each stay proficient through our individual training efforts, and if necessary, we can convene under organized training, focusing our efforts against a common foe, a common oppressor. Danger is kept at bay and has a shallow foothold when met with resistance, when met with an or else, backed up with the resolve expressed in the words, give me liberty or give me death. Thomas Paine spoke for many and inspired others when he wrote, these are times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in this crisis shrink from service of his country. But he that stands it now deserves the love and thanks of men and women. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us, that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. Tis dearness only that gives everything its value. Heaven knows how to put a proper price upon its goods, and it would be strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom should not be highly rated. These words were spoken generations ago, long before political correctness silenced the tongues and the courage of so many, but they're still so true today. The summer soldier loves the idea of freedom, but doesn't actually do much about it. The sunshine patriot is today likely someone who engages in hashtag campaigns, but who does not really know the issues and does not take any serious measures to reach out to our representatives and really only votes out of convenience. Summer soldier, sunshine patriot. These words, there's someone who loves comfort more than freedom and describes those who say, I'm a gun owner, but I want freedom, but where would we be today? Where would all of the millions of people who have fled oppression the world over and come to the United States be if we hadn't had those responsibly armed citizens who fought the danger of tyranny? And where will our children and our children's children be if we ourselves do not continue in the tradition and the footsteps of being responsibly armed citizens? The words of Washington, quoted from an earlier letter to Elbridge Gerry, were proved valid. There is nothing so likely to produce peace as to be well prepared to meet an enemy. So, Dan, I'm curious your thoughts on all that. And, and you know, George Washington's uh, voice was enacted there. And he's not talking about going out and starting trouble. He's saying, be prepared to meet an enemy. So if an enemy comes at us in whatever form that is, it is our duty, he's saying, to be prepared to meet that threat. Right. And we we should do that. I mean, we should be prepared. You should have, you know, some 
form of protection with you. Um, we have a right to that. And it, it may be something as small as protecting yourself when you go to the grocery store, or it could be something as large as protecting yourself from somebody coming from another country trying, trying to invade us, right? It's so true. And, you know, we've heard that, that uh, speech before about, you know, I, the Japanese were going to invade, but they wouldn't because there was a, a gun behind every blade of grass. I, I've heard that that's been, you know, debunked, that that didn't actually, that phrase wasn't actually said, but I think the spirit of it is true. How do we know that th- phrase was never said? Somebody said it somewhere because we just heard it just now. <laughs> It might have been said afterwards, but it was said somewhere. That's true. All right. We got about 30 seconds. Do you have a tip of the week? I don't know. Do I have a tip of the week song? (laughs) I knew you liked that song. I don't. Um, (laughs) It irritates me. It makes me think, okay, now what was I going to say? That's what it does. Uh, You know, just be trained. (laughs) Be trained with what you have. Um, You know, if you've got a gun that you bought, either during the panic or be some, somebody gave you a gun, get it out and and learn and how to use yeah, it. Yeah, find somebody you know? right? you, to you train you. Walk into your local safely. gun shop and show them the gun and say, hey, how do I use this? Get tr- you know, Talk to them about training classes, things like that. So be trained. Absolutely. Well, have a wonderful and safe Independence Day, everyone. And until next time, pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. All of them? All of them even the ones you don't like, Mm. and be good to each other. Stay safe and God bless. We leave you with these words from President Ronald Reagan. Our founding fathers here in this country brought about the only true revolution that has ever taken place in man's history. Every other revolution simply exchanged one set of rulers for another set of rulers. But only here, Did that little band of men so advance beyond their time that the world has never seen their like since evolve the idea that you and I have within ourselves the God-given right and the ability to determine our own destiny. But freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free.